Peace and blessings, good people, and welcome to Father's Shed, a podcast where we discuss everything about fatherhood in 20 today. I'm your host, Fleming, and... I am Ms. Vaughn. And today's episode is... In today's episode, we have a special guest. So we have an author by the name of Tracy Monique. Hey. And she has written a book entitled, It's Okay to Feel Everything. Um, Today's topic today is entitled Him, which is... um, a poem that she wrote so we will have her to dive into that and then we will get to the discussion part of this poem. hello 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 all right i'm gonna start off by reading him and then we can go into it i never heard good things he was a beater a mistreater an abuser and user the one that first helped her shoot up the one that fucks her life up the one that i look like the one that I look like. The reason she couldn't be, the one that just took and took, the reason I always gained her wrath. I never heard good things. I never heard good things. He was an artist, he could have been anything. He was a fighter, he won a scholarship or two. I reinforced he could have been anything. He won a scholarship for art. He finished school with honors. He had a great big heart. He just didn't know what he had to do to get by and through. I never heard good things, but I always wanted to. That's why I pursue as many forms of art, because, dear father, I've always wanted to be close to you. And put steps on that one. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Appreciation. Yes. Um, So, my dawn. Okay. (laughs) What? was the inspiration behind this. So like kind of give us a backstory of how you got to him. So I like to think about the full spectrum of family and relationships. And in your family, you have your mother and your father, but in some families you just have one parent and not necessarily two. And I always thought about the relationship with my father that I did not have. But I learned a lot about him from my grandmother and my mother, and they each had very different perspectives. And my mother's was a little bit more harsh, and my grandmother's was a little bit more nurturing. Of course, that was her child, so she correlated him as being her baby, the one that had all the potential in the world that refused to use it. And my mother referred to him as this demon in her life that messed everything up. But I'm a kid, so I don't care about those things. I care about the fact that I had a father and we didn't have the best relationship. And so I just wrote the poem from the perspective of knowing who a person is, but still wanting that person to be in your life because they are a part of who you are. And if you don't know where you come from, you can't become the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, I've always struggled a little bit because I look exactly like my father. Like if you put a picture of him at five and me at five, we look alike. I'm just the girl and he's a boy. Mm-hmm. And whenever any of my family members would see me, they would always say, oh my God, you look just like your dad. And I'd be like, I don't know what I do, you know? And it's just like, 
sometimes parents don't do their due diligence in making their kids are understand that even though a person isn't who they should be in your life, that they're still a person and they're a part of you. Mm -hmm. So I just wrote it from this perspective of knowing what somebody said, but that not being who I needed that person and wanted that person to be in my life. Okay, so if you can kind of remember, like, so what was your, I guess, what was your vision of what your father looked like? Because I understand, like, you're you're getting two polar opposites of yes. women who have dealt with your father. So, yes. like, so what, at that particular time, as a young person, like, what was your image? What did your image look like of him? So I remember, I think, because I lived with my grandmother, I was maybe like, Let's say I was five to seven. I can't remember ages, mm-hmm. but I lived with my grandmother from about the age of five to the age of 10. And my first memories of my father, because he was in jail and he had to come stay with her so he could get out of jail, was him taking me to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so me and him would always go to the movies. Let's just say on Sunday, because that's a, that's a good day to go to the movies. <laughs> and we would always go and we would always walk around and, and just we, we just have fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't really know him. But I knew it was my dad, and it was cool that he wanted to do things with me and take me places. So I always had a warm and fuzzy about those memories because he was there. And he was someone because my mother wasn't in my life. So he was the closest thing that I had to somebody that had me. So now, quick, well, so my question would be, so now as far as having those two different viewpoints, did either view, did having or knowing your mother's viewpoint, did it ever taint your viewpoint in any way? So I didn't get my mother's viewpoint until I started living with her at the age of 10. Okay. And I knew that there was always contention where he was concerned, but I didn't really know where that came from. So my views about my father changed when he didn't do the things that he said he was going to do. So our memories were going to the movies, Mm -hmm. and that's something that he promised me. And he would say, hey, I'm going to come get you, and he never would. And saying that I didn't have any stability in my life as a kid, I needed that stability. So him not being the person that he was supposed to be in my life, I started not depending on him because it it was all sad memories because he was to be like, hey, I'm going to come through. And he, and he didn't. The simple stuff. You can't yeah. do the simple stuff. I cannot trust you to do Absolutely. And, you know, you're not really thinking that as a kid. You're just thinking like, oh, well, you know, he's not available and around, so I don't want you available and around. And I remember me and my dad had this one conversation. I don't know why I remember this, but I do. And he was like, you're only happy to see me when other people are around and it seems like I'm paying more attention to them than I am to you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, I mean... Dude, serious? Yeah. Like, you weren't, you weren't, like, what do you mean? Like, you weren't there. Like, and I didn't understand it. I mean, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, he's my dad. So, of course, he feels some type of way. But it's like, you weren't there to feel some type of way, you know? Right. So, I was like, all right. I mean, I didn't understand what it meant. But, like, as as an adult, I get, like, you wanted to hold that father role. But you weren't doing mm-hmm. those the things father, right. that a father should do. Right. You know? Exactly. But I, I think that... When you have children, it doesn't matter what you do. You still want and have that idea of what your relationship should be. Should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very, uh, yeah, de- definitely so. That was, hearing you say that reminds me of a conversation with my dad, and he kind of said the same thing um, when I was getting ready to, I was 22, getting ready to move to Philly um, for a bit, and we stopped to see him, and he made literally the same comment where, 
he asked him pretty much like, what do you want from me? You know, and I was like, dude, at this particular point, like I'm, I'm 22, like I don't really, I don't need anything from you financially. You know, I just really would, was hoping that we could have some type of friendship because I'm getting ready to be 3,000 miles away from everything that I know is home, you know? And so it would be nice to be able to call and just talk and like share experiences and get your opinion. And he point blank was just like, you know, well, that's that's fine, but you'd have to respect me as your father first before I could be anything else. And ooh, that would that definitely struck a nerve, uh, just even hearing that, you know. Um, and that was at 22, so having that understanding, the outcome of that conversation wasn't the most positive. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely a jolt to the system when a parent parent kind of takes that stance, you know. And, as a, and of course, you know, you're at an age where it is that you have your own level of understanding and, and outlook. And it's just like, whoa, wait a minute, bro. Like, we ain't even we ain't even like that. Like, you know, so. I don't know you do. Right. <laughs> like, right, I really don't you know, know you. So. So. Um, what kind of struck out to me more than anything was the part where you were just like, the one that fucked up her life. The one that I look like the one that I look like. So I'm going to just assume that be you were a reminder. Yes. Of him. Yes. So I know you said you lived with your mom when you were 10. So how long were you with your mom? So I lived with my mom from the age of 10 to the age of 18. Okay. So did you, during that time, did we have any relationship with your father? So I actually did. Um, when I was, I, this was after I joined the military. I think I was maybe about, let's say I was about 23, 24. Um, my mother had moved to Clearwater and um, I went to visit her with my sister. And I called my grandmother to see what she was doing because my grandmother lived about 45 minutes from my, from my mom in like Tarpon Springs. And she's like, your dad's here. And I was like, oh, I hadn't seen him in like, uh, since I was like maybe 10. So I hadn't seen him in a really long time. So this is like years had gone by. And um, I was like, yeah, let's let's go see him. Because I've always wanted to have a relationship with my father. Like, that's something I've always wanted. I mean, I had one with my mother. It was terrible. You know, so I wanted to see like, hey, maybe the polar opposite would be different. <laughs> um, and so I went to see him and I brought my sister along. And it was the best day. Like, he was super cool. We hung out. You know, we talked. He's because he, he's very intelligent he's a very intelligent man so like mm -hmm. we just had some great philosophical conversations like super cool dude just talked about the world i got to really know him and then um i left with like this super warm and fuzzy that like me and my father could have like this great relationship and then my sister's like your dad's a total alcoholic and i was like huh and like basically the entire time we were there he was like drinking and i didn't notice wow. you know because that's my dad, and I haven't seen you in like 12 years. Yeah, so, so, I, don't, I, do. so I don't care about those things. Right. And then mm -hmm. just from an outside observer, because me and my sister had like two different dads, mm -hmm. from my outside observer saying that, like I felt some type of way about it, but then when I thought about it, I was like, damn, yeah, he kind of is. But none of that stuff matters, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that maybe we could kind of have a better relationship after that. But I think he just pushed too hard to have one. And it was like, he wanted me to communicate with him more and he was trying to push for us to have a relationship but i wasn't ready for that and he understand that i wasn't ready for that because he he wasn't there for me 
And it's not like he couldn't have been. He could have absolutely been in my life. It was a choice that he made because he always knew where he where I was because my grandmother always knew where I was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I couldn't correlate us trying to build that bond. And he was a raging alcoholic. So it was just like, even though I wanted to know who he was, it was like every time he was calling me, he was drunk and on some other stuff. And, you know, telling me the things that I needed to do. And it's like... You can't tell me you shit. Right. Like, you can't have these conversations with me. You don't even right. know my middle name. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, <laughs> like, and so it didn't, it didn't really work out. But, you know, and I talked to him. My grandmother died two years ago. And we were trying to, like, all get the family together so we could, you know, go up there and visit. And one of my uncles was like, I have, you know, I have. Cause his name's Saul. I have Saul's number. You want to talk to him? So I called him. And he was still drunk. And he was still on some other stuff. And it was just like, oh, my God. Like, come on, dude. You're like 70. I need you to get your life together. And it's just like, I mean, there's only a certain level that, that me as an adult am willing to deal with. And it's and honestly, like, if he would have been like, I want to pursue a relationship with you. I want to do more. I would have been willing to do it. But he said, I'm going to call you back. And he never did. Hmm. So it's like. I can't do more for you than you're willing to do for our relationship, you know? And I, and honestly, like I, I never saw pictures of my father until I went to my grandmother's uh, wake and she had like all of these pictures in boxes Mm -hmm. and I saw a picture of my dad when he was five and we literally look just alike like we have the same smile we have the same nose we have the same eyes we literally look alike i was shocked because everyone will always say oh my god you look like your father and i'd be like okay but i look just like my father and i mean i honestly if he would have called me back and pursued something i would have been willing to go down that road with him but i can't do more for you than you're willing to do Especially when you're not willing to do anything. And he didn't even show up. So it was just kind of like... To the funeral? Mm-mm. Wow. But it's like that. Like, some, but some things lot, are though. like that. Yeah. I mean, it does, but it says a, this is a lot. I mean, it is definitely, um, you know, a very large problem there for him as far as, you know, that uh, that addiction, which um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, you it know, is. It's highly unfortunate. I don't know if I could... Yeah, I... I couldn't even fathom not showing up to to my mom's funeral. You know, like yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I'm an only child, so you know, it's like it's not, it's a, it's not even an option for me. It's like <laughs> no one else is gonna take care of it. Um, so you know, there's there's that that factor. So, ooh, okay. So now, as far as um. Was there, you know, as far as I know, I heard you say, as far as like your relationship with your mom wasn't necessarily the best. So, was that like a constant like reminder of her, like as far as you looking or being that reminder for you? Was it a constant remind? Like, did she constantly remind you of that 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 fact? So I didn't really think about it when I was a kid, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but growing up, I could see that the tension between us probably the under lining cause was the fact that I look like my father. Mm-hmm. Of course, that wasn't everything because, you know, I didn't live with her f- until I was 10. So, of course, there's always, sure. you know, like, I don't know you. Like, right. what's good? You know right. what I'm saying? And I think that always as parents, like, even if they're not in your life, 
they still want that role. Mm-hmm. And just by the virtue of them having you, they feel like they're entitled just to certain I came things. Out to you like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I owe you. Yeah. Like, no, congratulations. I came out, you know, the balls. And twat, and y'all just got together. So it's she just said like, twat like 10 times. Oh my God. That's just my mind. I is. get that because it's it's the understanding of I can give you love. Yeah. But I have to build a bond. Yes. And so that is what I think parents really have a problem with, yes. especially with, you know, your child. It's just like, well, you're my child. And you're just supposed to do what I say. Like, yeah. I know me and my mother used to have a contention because she used to say, well, I'm your mother. Um, you have to do what I say. And I'm kind of a smart child. Yeah. So I would be like, well, I didn't ask to be here. Yeah. Like, that was kind of always my follow-up. But kind I didn't. Yeah. So it was just That's like, at the end kind. of the day, can you stop with that? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. Thank you. But kind of as I was getting to my point, like in the understanding of that is like your dad at you know I'm 22 and now you want to act like dad like no I can call you what's all like what's up Saul? Yeah. like you have to earn that yeah. like that's yeah you on a birth certificate and the birth certificate says father yeah. you're my father you're not my dad yeah. those are two different things like and I just oh god Oh, girl, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, as an adult, I understand. And I get where he's coming from. Because it he probably really did want to be in my life. But a lot of things happened in his life where they didn't turn out the way that he wanted to. So he turned to drugs and alcohol. And statistically, when you start using drugs and alcohol, whatever age that you start using them at, is the age that your mind is. My mom started at 18, and I'm assuming that my dad did the same. Mm -hmm. So you can't have logical conversations with children. Mm -hmm. And I mean, essentially, I was dealing with children. And I had to figure out a way to navigate dealing with people that would never be what I needed them to be in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm a 10 year old kid having all of these thoughts and understanding all of these realities, but not being able to voice them because even though I understood, I couldn't express them in a way that was productive. So, I mean, I turned to writing. Right. So that's what I was, that was going to be my next point. So it, it says in here, well, in your piece, you say that he was an artist. So then you turn to art in order to feel connected. So honestly, I didn't realize that I was doing it, but I eventually did. So I was pretty gifted in art. So I I got a scholarship to FSU my junior year in high school for a semester. So instead of, you know, chilling out with my friends, I went to I did a a a semester of art school with a whole bunch of college kids. And they were like super supportive and I just I just got to go to like the whole class for free. Um I I just I wanted I did I did some sort of art piece and it was like, "Oh god, this is amazing." So they let me do it. <laughs> and so the piece that I did um when I went to high school my senior year, they asked us to bring in something that we, you know, 
thought really highly of or something that you know we thought reflected us and I brought in the piece and I started talking about the piece and then I just started talking about you know art and my father and how he was an artist and you know when I was a kid I saw a lot of his artwork and it was really good Mm -hmm. like he he was really gifted he was literally gifted at everything he did he just didn't pursue those avenues and I'm sitting there and I'm talking about art and how it reminds me of my father and I just like bust out crying and I didn't even realize that that was the correlation and why I liked it so much because it made me feel like I was closer to him and it was just something out of left field that was like oh shit like this is why I like doing this this is why I'm good at this I'm good at this because I I learned and earned this from my father and even though he wasn't there he was a part of my life because Mm -hmm. he gifted me with something that that has literally taken me really far because I've always had a way with words when I sit down and do it I'm really good at art I'm really good at painting I'm really good at any facet that kind of deals with being able to express yourself and those are all factors that I learned from him even though he was not there even though he wasn't there because DNA yeah I mean it is I mean and we can we can all say that you know art ends and inherit but it is. It, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And yeah. my mother, well, my grandmother, she read to me, you know, every night as a kid. And so all of those are factors from him as well. Mm-hmm. Her reading to me made me like to read, made me like to write, made me feel most comfortable being able to express myself in that way. And those are all factors that I earned from him and his side of the family. Mm-hmm. So even though he wasn't there and he didn't do shit, like he did so much. And I, I think that when one parent just says this parent's terrible you know if you can't think for yourself and you don't realize you know i can get something from this person you just you miss out on certain realizations that happen as a result of knowing who and what that person has done for your life that's deep I be deep sometimes. I see. Like, bro, yeah. I mean, it's true though, cause no, like, absolutely, it's funny, like, cause when people be like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a this famous ball player, and I don't need you, and you got that from your father. Right. You, you learn those traits from your father. Mm. That those are things that you learn. Like, you're not just one parent. There's two DNAs that go into making a baby, mm-hmm. and you get all of those characteristics. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because somebody isn't who they're supposed to be doesn't mean that their that genes don't pass right. down exactly. to you. Right. Exactly. Very true. Very true. So, I want to swing back to as far as you know, your dad reaching out in the times when the times when when is in the times when the two of you had conversations. Would there be any part of you that, or do you think that it might have been a silent cry for help at any point in time in those years? So, my father has had a lot of chances to get help. And my grandmother was very big about whenever he needed anything, being there for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, whenever he needed a home, he had it. Whenever he needed a shoulder, he had it. He mm-hmm. basically just had to be there. But he's been in and out of jail my entire life. Okay. You know, I, like, looked him up online, and it was a mugshot of him for grand theft or something. Just just wow. crazy nonsense, right, you know? Right. And, I mean, I feel like sometimes you give up, you know? And it's it's easy to be like, I'm going to save you. But sometimes you have to save yourself. Yes, and that, and that is that is very true. A friend of mine and I were having a conversation. I said, you know, the hardest part about 
being having friends that you're close to or relatives that you're close to and they're going through issues is to really step back and let them go yeah. through those issues you know um we can't save everybody as much as we would like to right Absolutely. as much as we would like to um but it it is definitely one of those things of where i think that's the hardest thing if especially if you care you know which it sounds like there obviously was a point where you and i'm not saying, not saying that you don't care now but obviously it was one of those things of where it got to a point it was just like okay well hey you know what i have to let you yeah. go and be who you want to be you know and and not be who it is that i think that you yeah. can be or who it is that i've seen that you're capable of being right and it goes back to those to those choices that you said, like you know you're making this conscious choice to choose to be this person even though you have the capability and you've seen yourself achieve much more yeah you know um and no and those are the relatively unfortunately low low points you know that people can get to um and finally just throw your hands up and say you know what that's it i'm done you know because this battle means more to me than you love right now and i mean i'll go back to the fact that my father has my whole number right now Mm-hmm. He has my whole cell phone number. Right. So if he really wanted to get in contact with me, he absolutely could. Yeah. And so I was really excited when we talked, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that he had my number. And this was last year. Right. You know, this is me, 33-year-old me. You know, I'm super excited. Like, oh, my God, maybe I can have a relationship with my father now. And he didn't call me. <laughs> and so it's just like, at one point, do you just have to let it go? Right. And, I mean, I'm not saying I wasn't torn up about it because I was. Right. So. Absolutely. Because that's my father. Right. But it's like, what can I do when you have my number right. and you choose not to use it? And I, th- I think at some point we just have to realize that people's choices don't define us. Exactly. True. Absolutely. And and we have to know, you know, when it's okay to rip that cord. Like, I can't chase you, you know? Right. Like, we're we're both adults. Like, I'm a whole grown woman right now. And want, if you yeah. want to know me... And if you want to be a part of my life, you have to make that effort. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes we try to pull people to be who we want them to be for us because we need those things. But we have to realize if that person isn't going to be 50-50, then they don't deserve to be in your life. And you just have to be comfortable with where you are and where that relationship is. Because I can't do anything for him in that. So what made you get to that point as far as with your father? Because it that takes a whole lot to get to a point where you're just like, you know what? I'm here. I'm I'm not going to move any further than right here. Like, anything else has to come from you. Like, I have to see that there's an effort. But usually, you know, especially if you're a child, you, you know, I was like, you're my parent. I want you. Like, hey, dude. Like, I'm kind of a cool kid. Like, you know, I'm really a good person to know. So it's like, at what point or what got you to the point where you realized like, hey, I'm going to be open to a relationship, but I can't move any further. So my mother was a drug addict and alcoholic until I was about 10. And then she got clean. She went to jail like four or five times. Then she got clean and sober. And then she got me and my sister. And then we moved to Tallahassee. And she was clean and sober until I think I was about 24. And then she relapsed. And she went back to using drugs again. And at that point, because the family had been taking care of her, like, whenever she had a relapse for years, everyone was like, all right, we're just going to hold wash our hands of you. And you're going to go do what you do. And 
because my my aunt was like I couldn't she couldn't do it anymore at 64 years old you're still taking care of your sister and you know spending thousands of dollars to get her help and in a rehab and you know like you're relapsing at age 50 so it's like you've just gotten to a point where you've given up at that age and we all had a conversation and we're like you know we're just gonna let you figure that out on your own and when you can get back to loving yourself we can be there for you i mean it's it's a hard road but it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of people go through it you know which is again why i wrote the book because it's like a lot of people go through the things that i went through but they don't talk about them because it's like i think especially in the black community it's kind of a taboo to to say you know we have a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol no kind of and, i mean and it's just <laughs> like and so kind of back to the point Whole, she whole, whole full movies on you it. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> so back to the point. Um, I think about maybe two months before I went to Europe. Um, she got clean and sober. She got back into a halfway house. And my aunt was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go see your mom. You want to come with me?" And I just, me and my mother just had like this this whole horrible relationship. And I just resented her and hated her for so many years because she couldn't be what I wanted and what I saw on TV, you know? Because I'm like, mm. you see black families on TV, Man, the you know what I'm saying? Me, you know, uh, you like, know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, how is that like, not real? Like, where's Claire Huxtable? Right. You know what I'm saying? She even went over to Hillman and was helping, <laughs> you know? What I mean? So I, we went and um, she was having a therapy session. And I was like, you know what, mom? I don't think you ever loved me. I think you love my sister. I think you really loved and cared about her. But I think you didn't love me because I never gave you what you wanted. I gave you the real and the raw, and you were never what I needed you to be. So I I couldn't be what you needed, and I just want to know why you never loved me. And she was like, I was on drugs. And that was her answer. Like, it wasn't a... It was a cop-out. Right. She didn't even explain it. You know, she didn't even, like, say she was sorry. She just said I was on drugs. Okay, period. I was on drugs. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, you know I'm her- I'm holding all this anger, resentment for this person for years. She don't even care, you know. So we care, we care about how we feel, and we think that other people are supposed to care about the things that we care about and feel the way that we feel, and they don't. They don't. And that's so, so that is a shock to your sister. Yeah, it's and, like, <gasps> yeah, you don't care that right. I'm upset. You know, over here crying. Right. Yeah, like, like right. you don't know, you do my... not see these tears yes. coming down my face. Yeah. I think that your couch, nigga. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was at that point that I was like, you know what? All right. I gotta love you where you at. Yes. Yeah. And I can't I can't allow everything that happened to me in my past to define me. Right. Because I will be stuck forever. You know? And I think at that point I was like, you know what? I'm cool we can have a relationship because I know what we are. Right. And I just gotta accept you for who you are and I just gotta love you for that. And she died like two months later. Wow. Wow. But I was happy because I got it off my chest. Right. I wasn't like I wasn't happy. Like I was right. fucked up for a long time. <laughs> right. Because um, I I I honestly thought that we would have a time would have time to fix it because I I feel like once you let somebody know your truth, you realize what their truth is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only one or two ways you can go from there. You can excommunicate those people from your lives, or you can just be like, all right, let's just build from here because. You know, I see you where you were at. Yeah, that's and that's so fine. for me, like I felt like a weight had been lifted because I, I finally, you know, at least told her, you know, mm-hmm. you never loved me. Like I at least had that conversation, so she knew where I was at, and we just started talking and communicating. And I went to Europe, and she died, and we had to come back and bury her. And I was so messed up about that because I always felt like I would have time to fix it, but I didn't. 
but I at least had time to make peace with where we were. And I feel like if I hadn't made peace, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have been able to write a book about it. I wouldn't be able to have conversations about it because everybody holds so much, you know, and we don't deal with those things that we need to deal with. Mm -hmm. And we feel ashamed of, of things that we can't control and change. But I mean, life is a journey. Like our Mm -hmm. journey is to be expressed and told to others so mm-hmm. they don't have to face the same mistakes that we have. Sure. It's uh, interesting when you said as far as the factor of feeling like you had more time and that's, uh, again, something that resonates with me. I was um, thinking about my dad when um, they informed us that he was uh, HIV positive. And you think for a second, like, you know, like, wow, like, you know, that's a... That's that timestamp. I don't know how long you got, you know, um, and and it definitely helps to put a lot of things into perspective. I know for me, it was one of those things where like, wow, much to to your point, everything prior to this, it's like, I don't really care, you know, it goes on the back back burner or really, not even a back burner, it goes in the trash, you know, and it's like, I don't even want to like, I'm going to put that bag out, you know, trash man to come on Saturday and I'm good, and we can move forward with a level of clarity that we just did not have before, you know, and it really wasn't until, and that was, geez, that was 02, yeah, that was like 02 when he informed us, and he didn't pass until 2016, so I was thankful for that, but, you know, much, you know, what I can say is that, you know, communication, what, what I what I hear from out of this whole entire entire thing is the factor of really making it a point to just talk, have those tough conversations, you know, which is really the most important thing. Um, my father and I had our conversation in 2007. It was summer of 2007 and I was down in, uh, Baton Rouge for my best friend's, uh, wedding, you know, and I had driven down from here. Um, and we were supposed to, and I was, I told him I was going to stop by and see him for it for a hot second, you know, just make sure he was all right make sure he had what he needed and everything, and then hit the road. I got to his house probably about like maybe 9.30 that night. I didn't leave, totally blew my whole entire driving window because I didn't leave until about 5 o'clock that following morning, you know. And we talked about everything, you know. I mean, everything got put on the table from feelings to relationships to regrets, doubts, you know, the whole nine. Um, And, you know, and and much to, to your point, there was just a level of peace and closure at that point, you know, um, and then it became, then it became this thing of where it was like, okay, um, I did get that opportunity to really talk to him. And, you know, we built that bond, you know, we actually built that and it was, and it was a wonderful thing. Um, which is why like even dealing with, with him getting sicker and then of course passing was a very tough traumatic, uh, time, but you know, had to deal with it and stuff. And of course, again, being an only child and you have to deal with that by yourself, you know, um, that's, that's, makes it even, even tougher, but I commend you on the factor of, of, uh, being able to get there with that, you know, and being that, that, that mindset and carrying on with it to the point of where it is that you have now even written a book. So my question is, what inspired you most to write the book? So when my mother died, I was messed up um, mm-hmm. because 
we had a terrible relationship mm-hmm. and she of course was a drug addict so she right. didn't have anything and you know her sister my aunt was like i need y'all both to give like two thousand dollars and we just gonna put in and you know barrier and i'm like I don't got nothing for you, lady. And I mean, that's fucked up, right? But I I mean, I had the money, but it's just like... No, I don't... No. I got five on it. So right. I, get, so I gave her five. I gave her $8,000, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't give you anything else. Right. And I couldn't. Like, right. I couldn't. Right. Like, I, I, I could... Like, I feel like my entire life, all I did was give to someone that never gave me anything in return. Right. And I, I didn't have it for her. And my family was pissed. Like, I straight didn't talk to anybody in my family for a year. And I was straight in Europe. Mm-hmm. I was in Europe. I didn't talk to any of my family. Right. I just, I couldn't do it. Right. And I mean, it was just like, I buried my mom. I went back to a foreign country. I'm there by myself. And I, I went to see one of my uh, my warrant officers. And was like, I got to go to therapy. And he was like, they're not going to do nothing for you. But if that's something you feel like you want to do, you know, go do it. Because I couldn't handle it. You know, mm-hmm. I was alone. I was isolated. I was in a foreign country. I didn't have any friends, and my mom died. Right. And I didn't have a sounding board. So I went to therapy, and I was like, "All right, yo, I just buried my mom. My family's beefing with me. I mean, the whole process was terrible. It was a mess. Everyone was really mad, and everyone was, you know, acting like, you know, I was fucked up because of how I was feeling. And the therapist said, "It's okay to feel what you're feeling." And no one had ever told me that. Mm-hmm. I always felt like what I was feeling was messed up and that, you know, I wasn't entitled to feel the way that I felt. And she was like, no, you're totally entitled to feel like you're feeling. And it's OK to feel that way, as you should, because you just lost a parent right. and how you deal with that loss is how you deal with that loss. And I mean, it's just as simple as somebody allowing you to feel, you know, how you feel. They're giving you that space. Yes. Right. And it was crazy because I had never thought about that. And I'm a very analytical person. Mm-hmm. But I just always thought that my feelings weren't relevant and you know nobody really cared and i just had to you know suck it up suck it up and follow along because you know everybody else was damaged and we just had to you know hold pillows towards that damage and make sure that their lives were good right you know so i i wrote the book called it's okay to feel everything because it is Mm -hmm. and I mean, I've gotten a lot of really good responses and feedback from it, but mostly, like, I think, especially the first chapter makes people really sad, and I'm just like, you're like, oh my god, because we know you, and you just don't seem like, because, just because you've gone through things doesn't mean that those things have to be, you know... They don't have to define you. They don't. They're, they're, they're just things that happen. Like, I'm not going to put this on my, you know, you yeah. see me with, a, with a shirt, you know, yeah. I had a fucked up childhood. And it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's just like, it's, it's a cause for you know. conversation. Right. Like, I have a niece, and she has some pretty rambunctious things happen to her, and I gave her a copy of the book, and I was like, I wrote this for you. And she's like, oh, my God, you wrote this for me? And I was like, yes, I wrote this for you because, you know what I'm saying, we go through a lot of things in life. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know that I've gone through some things that you've gone through, but they don't have to define you. And you can grow up and be and do anything that you want to do. And her face lit up. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's the point. Right. You know? Right. The point is showing others that, you know, I'm I'm a star first class in the United States Army. You know, I don't don't depend on anybody, and I'm, I'm very set in my life. And... I didn't come from that. I I built myself. And anybody can, you know? Mm. It's just all about your mindset and what you're willing to do to get what you want. Here, here. 
triple X word. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a scramble. Like you just like got like fifty points off that whole thing. Like, Man, oh. I'm I'm serious though, and that's why like I um. I definitely have to figure out the motivational speaking aspect of it because there's so like I just have like so much knowledge. Not that I'm trying to like gas myself up for anything, but I just have like so much that I can give to others. I just got to figure out the best avenue to do it because I know that there's some little kid out there going through it thinking that there's tons. You know, there's like tons. there's there's nothing else out there for them and they can't be saved and they're yeah. defined by the things that happen to them. Absolutely. I mean, and you're not, and that, and, that, and that, the, and there are tons. I mean, again, you take into consideration some of the statistics, right? You got grand, you got folks becoming grandmothers by the time they're in their thirties, and that's crazy, that's and it's insane. It's insane, you know. And then, it's, and great you know, grandma be like. Yeah. Maybe sixty. Like, babies what? having babies. Yo, you know, literally. literally. Yeah, it's crazy. Great grandma would be kind of looking hot and whatnot. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? See, just, see, stop. I'm just right. saying. Like, you know, I'm just. <laughs> okay, just so back right. to our subject. So, you said your mom. So your mom passed. Mm-hmm. So is your father still alive? So, um, is there any type of anything there? I mean, like I said, I talked to him, was it last year? No, 2018. I talked to him in 2018 when my grandmother passed. And he has my number. So there's no relationship because I can't. Like, I I can't do that for him. But I'm at peace with it because all through my life, I've given him chances to be there for me. And I don't resent him or hold it against him. I'm just not a priority. So now are you... You said you're not a priority? Obviously. You got my number and you don't right. use it. Right. Sure. So now you have a sister via mom's. Mm-hmm. Any other siblings? No, so it's that? just it's just me and my sister. And, like, I think my dad got, like, seven or eight kids. But, like, okay. I don't know none of them kids. So okay. it's just, like... Okay. Yeah, so it's, like, me and my sister. Um, and I have uh, uh, two cousins... And okay. so we have like a really small family. I think there's like mm-hmm. the the people that are close to us. It's like maybe fifteen of us, and we all got together on Thanksgiving and all had dinner together. It was it was super dope. But we're we're all close, super tight. We Good. we talk all the time. So it's not like I'm out here and I got no family. So right, I have, right, like right. If if I really need this like, support, I you know what I'm saying. You know I keep people now. <laughs> um. So we so we're all there and we're all we're all doing different things. Um. But my sister lives uh, probably about maybe. A nine nine hour drive for me. She lives in Savannah, so we're all super close. We talk, we chat, we chop it up. Okay. Cool. So now, what do you think your feeling is gonna be? Or better yet, let me ask this: Do you think that you'll be the one to get the call when? Unfortunately, I mean, we 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 live to die, so let's just call it what it is. But you think you'll get that call when the time comes? What's your dad? I don't know. I mean, I haven't thought about it. But if okay. it if it does, I mean, I'll be there. Because okay. he's my father. Right, right. You know, like, I don't... There's no ill will here. Because right. I get it, you know? It's like... It's addiction. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's a real... It's a force. Addiction it is. is real. It is. It is. And it's addiction just... Addiction is real. And I, and I understand it. And, I mean, I think his family understands it, too. Like, he's burned mm-hmm. a lot of bridges because... Because of it, yeah. He's an alcoholic, you know, right. and it just is what it is. But if there's a situation and something comes up and, you know, I'm required to be there, I'm going to be there, mm-hmm. you know, because he's my father. Right. 
and I look like him. So yeah. it's just like, you know, gotta gotta right. bury my face. And, and I would think that probably to you know, I mean and and, and it's Sorry, obviously so crude. You know. But but I'm sure I'm sure there's also some like a level uh I'm sure there is a level of love for him. Yeah, I love that, my like, dad. Right. Like I, okay. I I I was so happy to speak to him. Right. Because I I wanted there to be a relationship there. Like I wanted to build. Right. So are you are you still like I guess my thing is that do you still feel like you're that little kid who's waiting for him to like okay. You know, now you're going to take me to the movies. So now you're actually going to show yeah. up and now you're going to I'm I will always be that little kid, you know, hoping. Mm-hmm. I'll always mm-hmm. be hopeful that eventually he'll choose me. Right. But I mean that's not a reality, you know. Right. Our we can't make our hopes a reality, but we can choose how we decide to deal with that. And I I feel like it's it's emotionally toxic to continue to deal with the situation when you know that it's not going to bear any fruit. Right. And I know that seems really harsh. No, but no, that's it's reality. not. That's reality. But that's yeah. reality. He and got my whole number, and it's not like he doesn't. Right. He literally said, "I'm gonna call you back," and I've been waiting for two years. I think it, the problem is is that a lot of people want to sugarcoat things because you think that, oh, I'm going to spare your feelings. Yeah. No, you actually spare my feelings by sugarcoating. Yeah. So if you actually give me reality of what it is, I can deal with that. Yeah. Like, don't give me the hope of, like, saying, oh, I'm going to call you right back. Like, okay, you're going to call me right back, and we're on our, like... What's well, 365? Man, like, look. So, and I'm still waiting on this call Man, back, and so it's look. like, you don't have to fake the front for me. Yeah. We can actually build the relationship yes. if you're just honest. Yes. Because I I can deal with your honesty. I can't deal with yeah. your facade. Yeah. Because your facade is not dependent. Yeah. And I mean, I, I got a whole voicemail that says, hey, Tracy, this is your father. Like, so you know you're my dad? And you still ain't talking to me? So you realize who you are and who I am? So devil's advocate for like 2.5 seconds. Yes. I could call him. Right. I was just about to say, because it could be, you know, and I'm not not giving any type of excuses. But what I'm saying is that sometimes it's not, he could really have the whole thing is she don't want to talk to me and she don't kind of want a relationship with me because of everything I did. So I can't reach out to her and, you know, if she wants me, she'll reach out to me. As fucked up as that is, it is always looked, especially on the child or whoever is younger, to kind of do the reaching out. Yeah, I messed up, but I'm still your parent. But you messed up. Like, at the end of the day, like... If I'm supposed to be teaching responsibility, you're supposed to teach me responsibility and how to man up or woman up to who I am. Like, I need you to be that example. So, what would it take for you to reach out to him? I don't know. Maybe I'll call him. Maybe I will. I got his number. Maybe I'll use it. I'm, and you and there's no pressure to that. But no, it's, it's not. It's just, it's just again to play devil's advocate. Um. I believe that, you know, a lot of people, family has done with addiction. And I remember, um, I think it was a cousin or something. And she was talking about hers. And she had so much guilt of what she did that she felt like she didn't deserve it. Or they just would never, you know, nobody could ever forgive her for what she did. That necessarily wasn't, you know, 
that was what she was thinking. And of course, they're thinking how you're thinking. Like, you know who I am. You know who my number is. All you have to do is call me. You're not going voicemail. I'll pick up the phone and say, hey, dad. Like, but I think it is, it is more so of the fear of this image that I have in my head. Like, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. And it's just like, no, it's in your head. Like, again, that's not reality. Like the image in your head, okay, that's the image in your head, but that's not how I view you. But you you will never know that if you know. But that's a tough thing because it's how he views himself. True. And that's where that's that hump that you have to get over. You know, when when you know, like I said, when my father and I had the conversation, one of the things that we talked about, and he said, you know, um. Because my father didn't come back into my life until I was like eight. My parents got divorced by the time I was three. So it was like that whole like five-year span. And then by that point, we had moved to California. So, But I remember him specifically telling me that, you know, about a conversation him and my mother had. Um, and he said, point blank, he didn't know what to expect. Because he didn't know this, this, this length of time had gone by. He didn't know what she might have said, mm-hmm. how he might have been perceived what other family members may have said, you know, and that was his driving force. That became, like you said, that that, that fear aspect because now I have to work toward trying to change that outlook that you have of me because I knew that's the outlook that you were going to have, even though I have no proof of that whatsoever, right? And I think that, you know, uh, when I was having a conversation with, with, with some other brothers and I said, you know, as men, right, it's, it's, I think, I think with men, especially women, I think it take, takes a little bit more, but I think with men, especially like, it's real easy for us if like, you know, to be like, fuck it, you know, I'm done, you know, I'm going to go over here. I'm just going to, like, I'm not going to address it. Right. Because to address it means that we have to acknowledge acknowledge it. it. And not only acknowledge it, but now I gotta own up to it. Own my part. I gotta, I gotta explain why it is that I did, did what I did. And the reality is, is that that for 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 myself, I might not even know. You know, like like I love you too much to give you just an explanation and say that hey, it was the addiction. You know, which means that I need to 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 give you more than that because you deserve that. You know. And that's, that, that can sometimes be where it is that, that the trouble comes in. Or, or like I said, just really wanting to go across over that line. But from a, from to your other point, right, as far as calling, right, for me, Southern upbringing, right, I was born in Baton Rouge, all my folks is in Louisiana, you know, between Louisiana and Mississippi. So it's very much so like, and, and I had the same thing because my mother and I moved to California. It was like nobody from the family reached out. You know, the only time we heard from them was when it is that we picked up the phone to call and be like, you know, hey, we're going to be in town or, hey, we're thinking about you, you know. Um, so I carried that for a very long time, you know. Um, but but I think that also it also from an elder perspective, right, because that's how it is that we're, we're taught. Like, OK, at the end of the day, yes, that's our parents. And now they're the elders, you know. So as much as it might be to take out of me to actually pick up this phone and call. I mean, all right, you crossed my mind, so let me at least see how you doing. You know, 
doesn't mean that we have to have a long conversation. Doesn't mean, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean we have to go into details of like everything that's going on with life. But you know what? I just called to check on you and see how you doing. You good? All right, then. You good? All right, I'm good. All right. You know, and from there it becomes a, it becomes a, a, a buildup, you know. Um, but, you know, that, that, and again, not saying that's what you need to do, you know what I'm saying? But it's the, the, the suggestion overall, because of course, you know, we, we, we want, you know, always with, with, with this podcast is always to talk about the situation, but also figure out the solution, right? Um, and figure out like, okay, well, what's the bet? What could be the best course of action? You know, getting to, to, to this point of where it is like, Hey, you know, these are my feelings, you know? So even if at some point figuring out a way to create a space where it is that, Hey, you know what? I got some stuff we need to talk about, you know, because we haven't had that time, you know, your dad hasn't met, like he knows the adult you, but he hasn't had a chance to really meet the adult you. You know, you've had a chance to see the adult him, you know. So how do you go about exactly fostering that level of communication, you know, and and having it be effective communication on top of that, you know. And it may just be like, you know, gradual, you know. It doesn't have to be, you know, full full swing, not saying like, you know, make sure you call him every Sunday or whatnot. But treat 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 making the phone call the same way mm-hmm. that you treat it having or going to the movies. You know, maybe be a once a month thing, you know, and then once you get that, you know, past that and stuff, then maybe it becomes a, you know, twice a month thing, you know, or whatever, you know. Um, and I make that recommendation for anybody listening to this that could be possibly having the same situation. It's not necessarily just advice we're giving for Tracy. It's just literally for anybody that might be going through that type of situation. I'm going to say that's a core. Once a quarter. <laughs> okay. Because once, once a, quarter. a month seems okay, very once a quarter. To lay a lot. It seems like, okay. I'm like, I'm over, here, I'm over here doing calculations. I was like, it's 12 months in a year. You know that means saying? I'm calling once a month. Like, that's a whole lot. However, if you do it once a quarter, that's only four times in a year. Therefore, therefore, I, okay, I'm not, you know, not too bad, but I'm working on it. Like, because then you're saying from once a month, to twice a month? Mm, what I'm saying is, a little what, what, no, what I'm saying is that if there is a level of reciprocation, right? Even still, that's fast that's to me. Okay, but that's fast to you. That might not be fast to somebody okay. else. But once know, a quarter. Everybody is different. Thank you. Everybody. everybody is different. I mean, I get that. Right. But just give them more than just once a month. Okay. Once well, a quarter sounds know. really, really good. Work. You know, or you can do it like every time the season's change. You know what I'm like, saying? Like, it's, it's autumn. Yeah, I feel like autumn. it's autumn. Yeah, <laughs> it's summer. It's summer. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's winter. Yep, got mm-hmm. our first snowfall. Hey, how you doing? It's Bye. spring now. What's good? It's Father's Day. It's holidays. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But you were saying. No, I'm done. Just... You know, that's 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 yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, like but that. you did though. So I mean, okay. but you know, it is what it is. Thank you. Well, obviously, um, you still you know, have it on your heart. We're just nah, 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 nah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, there you go. Triple X work. Thank you. So, wow. um, so for people who want the book, where they go? Oh, so it's on Amazon. 
Okay. Um, Tracy Monique, it's okay to feel everything. I'm also have a website, uh, Tracy um, at tracymonique.com. Okay. And you can order books from there as well. If you order books from my website, I can sign them and send them to you. Um, if you order them off of Amazon, they'll get there quicker. But... Get that signed copy though. <laughs> but it's you different. know because when 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 she pop up on Oprah and you know own or something and you know the just book be on like that, you know what I'm or saying Ellen, like you know, know right or Ellen you know I'm just saying you know get, get that signed copy. Though. But no, okay. So in talking about the book though, so what what is the book overall? So it's about um, choices. Actually, it's about. Um, Having none as a kid, having those choices um, define you as you hit that adolescence and adulthood. And it's about what happens as a result of making those choices, be it good or bad. I had a lot of baggage when I was a kid, so that rolled over into me joining the military. And while in the military, I experienced a lot of death and loss, and that compacted onto um, my childhood and then you know when you meet somebody that wants to love you and take care of you and fix all of your broken parts but you don't let them because you're broken and you don't even realize sometimes that you're broken and so what happens when you know you break relationships because you can't deal with your past and then it's about realizing that you have those issues and coming to a better understanding of who you are as a person through dealing with those issues and Coming out on the other side, a better, well-rounded individual. I know, right? Yeah. Blow about you. And I do it, and I each chapter initially talks about what's going on in the phase of my life, and then I'll have about eight to ten poems that talk about that, and then I'll have a short story at the end of each chapter. Okay. So it's a. It's a. It's. I mean, I like it. It's a well-rounded book. Um, I was always worried that people wouldn't get it, and I. I. Um. I sent some poems into different you know organizations and you know i always always got that yeah now we're not really feeling you um so i just decided you know i'm just gonna self-publish because if you have a vision and a dream for your life if go for it if if you do that the sky's the limit you know i mean somebody's eventually gonna pick it up and it's gonna change their life and i i honestly can't say anybody that has read my book that hasn't been like oh my god you know, this made me think about the relationship I have with my family or where I'm at in my life or a situation where I didn't act accordingly or me feeling some type of way because I didn't, you know, react or do the things that I should. And honestly, that's what I wanted. I just wanted people to read my book and feel something. I'm going to ask this last question. Based on what you've written, based on all your experiences, based on your outlook, what would... Tracy now tell Tracy at 10 that it's okay to feel what you're feeling honestly and that I mean you're you're gonna come out on the other end and I I'm happy for everything that happened in my life because it made me the person that I am today and it made me a person that can tell my 13 year old you know niece you'll be okay you know things happen to you because you can go through them and come out on the other side a better person you know those things happen to your grandmother and she didn't make the right choice Mm -hmm. but you can do something different and you know when you see that light and that glow in somebody's eyes and you know that lets them know that you know it sucks that things have happened Mm -hmm. but they can grow up and do and be different like to always, I I I know um, 
when I grew up, they used to, um, it was a judge, his name was Eugene Pinchon. And he used to, he used to always say that you can't be what you've never seen. But also he used to say the world is so much bigger than what's around you. And, you know, as a kid, it's just like, you think your whole world is, you know, your family or your friends at school, like that's your whole world. And then all of a sudden you become 18 and depend on, depending on what you choose to do with your life, you realize like, bro, this is nothing. Like, I remember I went to a small grammar school. I think we had maybe 200 kids in my grammar school. My graduating class was maybe 80. And then I went to high school where it's like thousands of kids. And I was like, what in the world? Like, but my grandma, I remember my grammar school used to be the biggest thing in my world. Like, and I even understand, like, even with my relationship, especially with my father, like, it is, it was, it's, it's definitely been some growing pain. Like, cause you know, to, he's always been active in my life, but to say that, um, we grew up together and I think that's, you know, what a lot of people don't understand. Like, sometimes when our parents had us, they were, like, probably in their teens. So, it's just like, you know, you're not grown, but all of a sudden you're responsible for this little person. And it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And instead of saying I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just going to make it up as I go along. And, yeah, so we all growing up together, huh? So, we're going to all experience this at one time, huh? Got it. Yep. Okay. Cause y'all do not come with instruction booklets. <laughs> Lord knows, no child comes with an instruction booklet whatsoever. They do not. You know. So what you saying? Throwing some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. What's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> there. Well, Tracy. Thank you. You're for, welcome. Um, coming like, what would you like to give you? Like, what would you like our audience to know, like, about you and about you and kind of your father's relationship like what's your like final thoughts so final thoughts um even though he wasn't in my life i still love him you know i i'm happy and thankful that i got and gained the artistic aspects of myself from him and you know i don't regret the times that we spent together because they defined and made me and we look alike you and know? what's your daddy's name again Saul Logs Gordon Yon. Okay, so Saul, if you hear this, when you hear this, understand that your baby still loves you. And your baby, all she wants you to do is try. Like, nothing beats, my mother says all the time, nothing beats a failure but a try. So if you try, she right here, but you gotta try. So Saul, try. Pick that phone up, bro. Right. But you know what, I'm, I'm for real. I'm gonna call him. Okay. okay. I'm calling. Okay. It can't hurt. Nah. It just, it can't. Nothing beats a failure, but a try. It doesn't. So, you know, thank y'all. Let's appreciate it. Yeah. And then we'll bring you back and, you know, do a part two and get the, get the follow up. And I'll be like, he said he was going to call me back. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's been two years. (laughs) He's like, oh, Oh, damn. Oh, Oh, Jeez, work with us. Oh, God. Hilarious. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show much appreciate thank you thank you for having me you know uh, anytime anytime you are definitely welcome back you're definitely part of the you know fathership family at this particular point so uh with that being said uh social media 
You want folks to follow you? Sure. Um, Tracy underscore Monique one on Instagram and Tracy Monique on Facebook. Cool, 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 cool. And then where can you get the book and stuff from again? So if you go to Amazon, it's okay to feel everything. Tracy Monique, or you can go to Tracy at TracyMonique.com and that is my website. I have a, a launch page. You can purchase the book from there if you want to leave comments. All of that's available to you. Cool. I'm for the day. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Father Should Pod. You can also visit our website at www.fathershould.org.